Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. In a world where almost everybody has a podcast, I want to thank you for making time to squeeze this one into your busy day. I sincerely appreciate being a part of your weekly routine, and I hope that you'll share at themicshow.com, that website link. Uh, please share that with your friends and your family, anybody that you think might want to hear just regular good old conversation in a podcast that's easy to listen to in mixed company. So thank you for doing that. It would really help us out. At themikeshow.com. Well, my conversation with my high school buddy, Rick Goins, who I've known for nearly 30 years now, that's coming up here. But first, let's talk coffee. American Pride Roasters Coffee, to be exact. How I love Dave Matthews and his Iowa-based team. They make the smoothest, most flavorful coffees available. APRCoffee.com. This month, they are featuring the Thomas Jefferson Blend over at APR Coffee. It's so good with its medium-roasted blend of South American beans, that hint of vanilla. Oh, my goodness. It's just as unique as the man, quite frankly, Thomas Jefferson. A side note, the letters between Jefferson and John Adams near the end of their lives, you must check them out. They are truly some of the most profound and inspirational letters ever written between two great Americans. I hope that you'll make time and read them for yourself. The Jefferson Adam letters are sensational. Please do, uh, if you get a chance. Um, And speaking of memorable... I mean, how about the Jefferson blend over at APR Coffee? (laughs) Uh, APRCoffee.com. Be sure to use offer code ATM. Stands for at the mic. It's going to get you 10% off. Look for that special instruction section when you go to check out at APRCoffee.com. Offer code ATM. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Rick Goins is my guest this week on At The Mic. Rick and I became friends during our high school days and experienced a lot of life together during those years. He tells us the story of being a Southern boy turned Hollywood actor via New York City, his humorous stories of a well-lived life, and he details the heartache in losing a loved one to suicide. He's my buddy, Rick Goins. He's this week's guest on At The Mic. I don't know. I want to say Roderick, Rick, or Ricky Goins. I don't know. Which one am I going with? Uh, you. Let's go with Ricky. Why okay. not? Because that's how you know me. That's, that's uh, how I know Yes. That's I go I by all three. Okay. So Ricky and I knew each other through Rosal Street Baptist Church mm-hmm. because we went to different schools growing up. Yes. So... And Roswell Street is the kind of church that, I mean, it's a mega church, let's be honest. And so there's the mega churches before mega churches really existed. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's kind of like the landmark in the center of Cobb County, Georgia, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there in Metro Atlanta. So I went to Walton High School on one side of the county. You went to, did you go to McEachern for a year? No, I actually, it's all messed up because yes, my sister's graduated from McEachern. You went to Harrison. I went to Marietta my first year, freshman year, and then they opened up Harrison as a relief of Marietta and McEachern. Yeah. So I was actually one of the first graduating classes of Harrison. Very cool. Also cool is that, and you're not the first person with this claim to fame, you were the mascot. 
Yeah, I was. You were the Hoya. You were I the was Harrison the Hoya. Hoya out there. <laughs> that's right. that's cool. And that's the thing about Roswell Street is that we had multiple high school mascots there too. Didn't yes. Mark Miller, he was the Pope Greyhound. Yes, yes, that's right. Oh my gosh, I forgot uh, about that. Yes. That's funny. Yeah. How how fun was it being the mascot? Or was it frustrating not being able to talk? Uh, well, no, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I think the irony is that, you know, I joined to um, get closer to the cheerleaders uh, and uh, instead just got a bunch of great close friends, you know. <laughs> so, but it was a lot of fun. And it actually, I ended up uh, doing some costume work before um, for like birthday parties and stuff. I was, oh. I was like, uh, you know, the generic purple dinosaur. <laughs> for, oh no. Did you have to do uh, the for, dance and the, the maneuvers I, and stuff? I did that. Yes. For a couple birthday parties. Yeah. Cause they're like Ooh. just some was parents. Fun? It was fun. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I had a good time. Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask you. And I think you already answered the question there. Did you want to get into acting, which we will explore here? because of being the mascot or is this something you liked beforehand uh it was beforehand uh my sisters were into acting particularly my oldest one and so in leanne my oldest sister is 10 years older than i am okay so she was into theater and when they would do shows either high school shows or community shows if they needed a little kid you know they leanne's little brother was mm -hmm. was the one who got called in for and then Russell street you know did a lot of yeah. production stuff like that so that, actually that's what kind of got me into it okay you, you just mentioned you have an older sister who's 10 years older mm -hmm. than you you have another sister amy yep. who i know and she's eight years older than correct you. What's, uh, what are they doing these days? Well, Leanne, um, my oldest one, she is uh, living um, in Warner Robins. She's uh, one of these uh, huh. life coach, voiceover artist, uh, reads books, read audio books, oh, wow. um, and does a couple of other things. And yeah, she's secondly newly married, I guess. Secondly newly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Um, and, we invent and, words and phrases on this yes. podcast all the time. Most of them are from me, but I like that, secondly newly. <laughs> well, it's a great word because all of a sudden I made it up just now and we all know what I was talking about. Yeah, you know? that's right. So. This is, this is timestamped, so don't be stealing this without giving Ricky credit, okay? <laughs> uh, and then um, Amy has a her business partner, Kim Gravel. They have a clothing line that's on uh, QVC. Um, oh, wow. and, uh, and they were actually music artists for a while. And, yeah. um, and then, yeah, and that just, you know, that honestly just ran its course. I mean, huh. they both, uh, you know, decided it, yeah, that they got everything they wanted to out of it. And so they went a different route and started doing the merchandising and they're doing really well. Nice. It. Very <laughs> yes, cool. Yeah. Okay. So take us to your childhood growing up, your earliest memory, you were watching Scooby-Doo. <laughs> no, there's more to it than that. Sorry. No, I just remember watching like, Which TV. One? Um, it <laughs> but, was Scooby. Yeah. 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 For what, uh, if it's what you're talking about, I think. Yeah. Your dad um, came home with a gift. Yes. Yeah. I remember uh, my dad came home with a kitten one day um, uh, for me. And I guess he, you know, it was probably somebody at work was given, you know, I'm sure <laughs> that their cat just had kittens and they're like, you want one? And he was like, yeah, I guess. And so, yeah, I, I do remember I had uh, Mickey was his name. I named him that um, after the mouse, uh, but because I had a Mickey Mouse lamp. And now I must have, I was little. This is like one of my earliest memories. I'm talking five or six. Um, and so Mickey was my cat. 
And I had him till freshman year in college. Wow. So this had to be like one of the oldest cats ever. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember Mickey. Mickey uh, yeah. was a friendly fella. Yes. And uh, I just remember sitting on your couch quite, <laughs> you know, a number of times and I can, let's see if I can impersonate Mickey when I, when I knew him. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. That's like pretty that? good. Yeah, yeah that was okay, it. cool. Brought back memories, Aww. man. Well, see, really that also sounds like uh, a cat I had for 17 and a half years, uh, Gertrude, Gert. Uh, so it's the same It's the same voice yes. for, for both creatures, just to let you know. Yeah. But yeah, so, because um, I got Gert when, uh, let's see, Gert and Zoe were sisters. Mm -hmm. They were born March of 97. Oh, wow. So I had them for the last uh, year or so of my college experience. And Gert actually moved from, so she was born in Norfolk, Nebraska, uh -huh. and then lived in Lincoln, and then from Lincoln, we went to Atlanta, Yeah, Atlanta to uh, Houston, yep. Houston to Omaha, Omaha, Charleston, Charleston, New York, New Jersey, and then to Dallas, and Gert was a part of all of those moves. Wow. <laughs> and and knew all three kids. <laughs> That's and awesome. I had her before I was married. And I was like, anyway, it's just, <laughs> it's just cool, cool how... how how pets are such a, a big part of our lives for so long. But yeah, mm -hmm. Mickey was very friendly and um, it was always fun coming over to your house. Your mom was just so awesome. Just the most kind person. Oh, and I, seriously, coming to your house, I can see that's just it. I can hear the sounds at your house. I can hear Mickey <laughs> and I can hear your mom greeting us when we'd come over. Just, just such a shining light when we would come over and, and visit you that's awesome that's awesome yeah she she loved you um she loved all my friends but yeah. she definitely you you seem to be the one who had its head on his shoulder so <laughs> wait a minute what does that say for your friends <laughs> who are you running around with man <laughs> uh yeah yeah she believed if i was with you she wouldn't i wasn't gonna get in trouble oh <laughs> I, did, I didn't say that we weren't. I now just said I feel she like believed the that. Eddie Haskell <laughs> to no, 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 the no, no. Beaver. You were the no, no. Eddie oh. was was. Uh, well, we know who Eddie was. Well, yeah, uh, but yeah. what I'm saying is, she thinks I'm this like saint. No, yes, yes, yes. Oh. She thought you were awesome and, and great, and and not and actually one of my memories with you, I guess you brought Carrie to Georgia to show her your childhood or of course meet mm -hmm. Nana. I was, I want to say I was living in New York. Yeah. You were not in town, but I actually, and this speaks to just how much I appreciated and loved your mom is I took Carrie over there to meet her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's almost like, here's my other mom. You yeah. Know? And so, yeah, yeah it's, it's very cool. She, she um, was a treasure. Yes. Yeah. I knew you through Roswell street, Yeah, but we didn't really know each other, I guess, really early. It wasn't until high school, right? I, I, yeah, I want to say that. And it almost like senior year of high school, really, because I moved to Scotts Bluff, Nebraska for the back half of my junior year, mm -hmm. and I didn't know you until, I didn't really know you until I came back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not, and, and But I will say... And maybe it's just a testament of when you're kind of growing up in that environment. I do feel like that the bonds didn't um, come together until like once we were on our own, when we were driving and we could go, to, you know, because mm. um, there's so many uh, the, of us that, you know, 
that grew up at Roswell Street, but my memories of everybody of really becoming friend, you know, strong friends and creating those bonds was once we were on our own, you know. <laughs> yeah, had some yeah. freedom. Yeah. yeah. And you know, talking on the CB radio. That, <laughs> oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. I mean, that I was that was good times. We yeah. go camping. Yeah. <laughs> which I won't even consider now. You guys did all the work, I'd like to point out. I was just kind of there to supervise. Uh, yes. Yeah, well, I, I again, was the guy who brought you a, were the responsible one that my mom knew sure. that wouldn't get us in the trouble. The responsible one who, who said, is this campsite going to have an electrical outlet? Because I want to take a little TV and watch yeah, the parades. Yeah, all the way down to South Georgia. Really? Yeah, well, yeah, well, that was South Georgia. I was thinking more like Lake Altoona. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. South Georgia, getting stuck in yeah. a rice field. With, yeah. I don't know why I told you not to. I let your mom down. You did. I didn't you keep did. you out of this rye field is what Yeah, it was. yeah, rye. And it had just yeah. rained. I'm like, you drive a Ford Escort. What are you doing? I know. Yes. I want to say it was. And yeah. Like, um, this isn't going to end well. Yeah. And we and it a, did not. We needed to get <laughs> towed out of that thing. Boy, that was and, something else. And we used a, a tractor to pull it out and almost rip the front of my car off. <laughs> I tell you, dude. Uh, yeah. But you yeah. drive a truck now. I do. Well, yes. Smart in case you, in case <laughs> yes, you see yeah. any road and, rye fields you want to traverse yeah, into. Yeah. And I love that truck. I really do. <laughs> so I miss my truck. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd be a, a kind of truck person, but I absolutely love it. Um, and I love when people are like, hey, I need help moving something. I love the fact that, hey, I have a vehicle that can do that for you. Wow, you are um, sick. You I'm not that? gonna. I'm not going to help you load it, but I'll right. be glad to bring my truck over. And I'm not one of these people. Uh, like, I think scratches and dings. I, I hate to say this, adds character. Oh. So I don't care. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a pickup truck. Go for it. You know, yeah. I don't. You know, I don't mind if you scratch up the bed. You know, just go ahead, throw yeah. it in there. And see, I was like that too when I had a truck. I didn't mind scratches and dings, but I would go out and, and seek them on my own. I would find strangers in their own vehicles and I would crash into them and then not get the, the vehicle repaired. I went out of my way to get my own scratches and dents back when I had a truck. You've been married to Michelle for 14 years. Yes. Where did you guys meet? Uh, we actually met on Yahoo. Uh, so wait a minute. <laughs> this is a great story. Yeah, so, I can't wait for this. So we actually met no through Yahoo Personals. Both of us. Oh, okay. Um, were it wasn't lonely. some random no, no, no. search engine like <laughs> I need a woman. Oh look, Michelle's available. Okay, I didn't know they had a yeah. personals thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh. did. Um, I guess it predated eHarmony, but oh, we wow. we actually met on eHarmony as well. Um, and so that's where it's kind of a fun story is. So uh, we met on Yahoo um, through Yahoo Personals, and then we went out, but the algorithm missed us up. because So you can put a zone in there and say, I want to meet someone within X amount of miles of my of where I live. Okay. You know, like, I only want to meet someone yeah. 15 miles of where I live. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I want to find the love of my life, but... I sure sound not, I'm not willing, willing to drive to more yeah. than 15 miles to find it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly how I was. Uh, I was I was desperate, but I was also lazy. <laughs> but see, so. Well, that was the, now, now, in my case, Carrie lived three floors down in uh, the dormitory building that I lived in. I mean, if she had been more than a few flights down the stairs, I would have been like, forget this. Yeah. <laughs> but I got you. Yeah, yeah. And so we met um, for a, a date, and it was nice. It was great. But we realized, gosh, we are a lot further away than we 
than the computer says we are. Uh-oh. And uh, we're like a good... Uh, well, it was in L.A. at the time, so, I mean, oh. hour to two hours, depending on what time of day it was. I was going to say, um, she so... could have been across the street <laughs> in L.A., and it would, yeah. with traffic, it would have been at least a 30-minute yeah. home. And so both of us were like, hey, this is nice, but I'm looking for oh. something a little bit closer. Um, and then later, got on eHarmony, and eHarmony made the exact same mistake, matched us up again. And so that's what we were like, well, maybe... Maybe mm. the internet's god are trying to tell us something. <laughs> or maybe so. they're both using the wrong faulty <laughs> yes. information. Yeah, whoever the, pro- Google the programmer or... was the same guy. <laughs> no, but that's cool. Yeah. So you guys yeah. met. And I know there's a lot of uh, geography involved here. Take <laughs> us through your your journey across the map. Uh, sure. Well, for me, as grow grew up here in Georgia. And then I got accepted to a, a conservatory school in New York, mm-hmm. uh, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. Uh, so I lived in Manhattan for for a while. You were in New York. What what time frame are we talking about? I was there 96 to, I guess, 2001. Okay. I moved. Yeah, because 2001 was 9-11. Mm-hmm. I, I moved right before 9-11. Wow. So. Okay, so yeah. so we missed each other up there by yeah. eight years. Okay, yeah, um, they're so close. You know? All right, yeah. I mean seriously, <laughs> we were right there. Yeah, we were right there. Okay, so you went to New York and then from New York to L.A. Uh, bypassed through Florida. I was Florida. spent uh, about a year to year and a half in Florida, and then yeah, and then moved out to L.A. Okay, so and then y'all moved eventually, and then here eventually to came back here to Georgia. Yeah. Okay. You have three children together. We have three children together, yeah, and and no other children with any other person, as far as I'm aware. As far as you're aware, <laughs> yeah. right? Olivia, eleven years old. Mm. Adeline is eight, and uh, Levi is five. Uh, Adeline turned nine in November, and Levi is turned six in December. So. Obviously, I've had I fe- this I've email filled out that questionnaire in my inbox <laughs> for quite a while. Yes, yeah, and and Olivia turns twelve uh, in two weeks. Yeah, so you yeah. just had to do the trifecta, didn't you? <laughs> Okay. Um, and you're the friend that I knew in high school would be a great dad. I mean, it was pretty oh. obvious, right? I mean, you you love Disney. Let's yeah. just get that out there. <laughs> in fact, do you still have the collection of VHS tapes? I remember in your bedroom, you had like this <laughs> large tower. I did. Right? I and, did. It, and it, and it had VHS tapes. of it. And as soon as a Disney movie would come out, Ricky would go and get it and add it to the collection. Yeah, yeah, I I did. I do not still have the VHS tapes anymore. I'm not one of those people. Um, But I do, I did upgrade, you know, I went, you know, when DVDs came out, I got the DVD and went to Blu-ray. Are your kids as big into Disney as you are? Um, One of them is. Mm. So the other one, it's, you know, the other three... Now, Levi, the youngest, you're still trying, he's still trying to figure out what he likes, you know, but Adeline is definitely spit image of me. She likes everything that I like. We do a lot of stuff together. Um, Olivia, my oldest, she's still trying to find her own. Mm-hmm. She's still trying she's to find her time. own. She's got time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, she's uh, either 11 or 12. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, she's got yeah. some time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, there was a time that you were going to Truett McConnell College in North Georgia, right? There was a time. Because I uh, we visited you up there for a weekend to go mm-hmm. camping yep. slash spelunking. Oh, that's right. I, I forgot seriously about the part. think yeah. that... So I'm not a fan of really tight spaces. 
Okay. okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that everybody's like that to one degree or another. I don't think I ever thought about that. I don't call it a fear, but I guess it's kind of developed into that over the last 30 years now. And I think it all started with uh, going with through those day? little caves <laughs> with you in North Georgia. Some well, I remember squeezes. that. Yes. And I remember the, the cave that we went in is like first you had to rappel down this like kind of. This sounds like you're talking about somebody increase. else, not me. Yes. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, and Matt, I, I'm just I'm, I'm just thinking <laughs> as you I want you to describe the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And as you're doing so, I'm going to try to imagine a time when my body could actually do these things. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, trust me. My body can't do that anymore either. <laughs> but yeah, we would actually rappel down a it was kind of a big, huge I don't want to say cavern. Uh, um, it's like a hole. Yeah, yeah. It's it a big hole. Ditch. I think it was rainy and cold too, if I remember. Yes, Ugh. but then, then you get down to the bottom of it, and you're like, "Oh, that was fun." And we're like, "We haven't even started yet. That we're just in the mouth of the cave." And you're like, "What? No, I'm done." <laughs> and yes, yeah, there, it was a hole that you had to squeeze you through. Had, and it wasn't like you didn't just. Do, 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 walk into the cave. <laughs> no. you, you army crawled into the cave. You're yes. like, wait, obviously I'm not supposed to be going in here if I have to contort myself this way in order to get in here. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and I did this on more than one occasion. That's where I was like, I was comfortable bringing you along. You're weird. And, and yeah, I totally forgot about that. And so once, once you shimmied into Shimmy. the first few feet yeah. of, of that cave... Then it was really cool because it opened up into like, there was like gigantic building inside of this mountain. I mean, you stood up and you could see, well, you couldn't see with, you know, with your lights, you know, with the flashlights, you could look around. But it, but you had to go a few feet into the cave, I said shimmying through there to finally get to it. Wait, there was a point in the cave where you could stand up completely? Yeah. I have blocked that out of my memory. I just remember all of the really bad stuff. I do remember it was that you, I think, did say, if someone breaks your leg, there's no way anybody's going to be able to get us. See, there's a reason your mom loved me so much, (laughs) because I was the responsible one, if you'll recall, and to look ahead. Yes. Uh, Okay. Oh, man. Your love has always been acting. Yes. And you've been involved in theatrical performances. You've been in TV shows that many people may recognize. (laughs) How big are those royalty checks uh, that that you're getting from those TV shows? Um, They are incredibly large. No. uh, (laughs) Tell tell me, what was the one, uh, the the recent one or or one you talked about? Well, the most recent one I got was... Well, first uh, tell us the shows that you were in because... There's not... You you say shows (laughs) with an S. Um, I was in a show... And uh, a show called Less Than Perfect yeah, on ABC. I, I saw you on TV. Um, yeah, I was I was background guy. I, they did <laughs> eventually. I, I got I did have a character name, but I was still background guy. I just happened to have a name, and I didn't get my um, spot in the credits until one episode. They actually um, had, and it wasn't even a line. I was singing. They had huh. me sing. I was yeah singing karaoke. Yeah, yes, um, yes, uh, yes. Take yes. on me was the song. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Which is not easy to sing. Like, no, you know. no, yeah, it's not. An yes, easy song. now I remember this. Yeah. So how big are those uh, less than perfect uh, royalty well, checks? Well, I did get one right before Christmas. Actually, right around Thanksgiving, I, I did get one, and it was, I believe, it was eight cents. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> did you cash it? <laughs> no, I did not cash it. I, I just, yeah, I framed it. Put, well, I didn't frame it, but I did put it on my wall. It's actually oh, on my wall. You should frame it. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yes. I love that. So you can say that you are a paid Hollywood actor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, just then then you just change the subject. Yeah. <laughs> no follow ups. No follow ups. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, that's the one time. But you've had other jobs besides. I have had gigs. other jobs. Well, yeah. I've had many jobs. Like most actors, you have yeah. many jobs. You Universal know. Studios tour I guide did. was one of yes. them. That was the Florida thing. Yeah. No, that was in. Uh, no, I was in uh, L.A. at that. Okay. Uh, for that one. Uh, yeah, I actually, uh, that was one of the first jobs I got when I moved out there. Um, I did some temp service and then for the Universal Studios, you had to audition for it. And, and then you auditioned to be a studio tour guide. Then they went through a training. I want to say it was like three month long training. It was a long cool. time. And then at the end of the training, you had to audition again. And so now, of course, they paid you through the training. Sure. Um, but but yeah, I mean, there was like a and, good and probably process consisted before of, you got the job. Enough. Right. Memorizing a yeah. lot of stuff. Yes. Like like today, if I put you on the spot, could you go in order on that little tour guide thing and all the facts? Uh, and stuff? Let's uh, welcome to Universe Studios. <laughs> open in. No, I can't. No. I, I remember it's four hundred fifteen acres. Is the okay. studio lot made up of the theme park and then the studios, uh, front lot and back lot. Um, and Carl Limley, the owner of Universal, uh, yeah, bought this little farm, 415 acres. When do we see the actors walking around? <laughs> when? Uh, yeah, that's all I get. That's all you get. <laughs> yes, yes. You start taking them in back studios and you're like, what's really funny is when it would be um, – uh, there'd be certain movies where they wouldn't want you to talk about. They don't want, you know, people taking pictures of, you know, whatever sets. And so there would be times like War of the Worlds was the funniest one uh, because this is a giant, gigantic movie set where the plane has crashed into the neighborhood. All right. Mm -hmm. And you can't miss it. I mean, a blind person can see this set. Okay. And but it was a top secret project and we're not allowed to talk about it. So people would be like, ooh, what is that plane from? And you're like, look over here to your left. You see a pond right there. That was used. Oh. <laughs> and they're like, no, but what about this plane? That was like, over here, you see this. <laughs> That's got to be tough. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. So, okay. Did they actually pay you to go to Disneyland? <laughs> Uh, yes, actually. So at, you know, so as I said, they went through this huge auditioning process and stuff like that. Well, the studio tour guide, obviously the season, the theme park season is during the summertime and they don't want, uh, they spend all this money and time training this tour guides. So they don't want you to go and find another job. And so they created kind of an internal temp service. And so that we could do on the off season and then come back during the summer and be a tour guide. So on the off season, I got to work in the merchandising department. And that actually, that temp job became a kind of a, a long-term temp job for me. And, um, and while I was there in the merchandising department, uh, they did these, what they called benchmarking trips, which is basically a fancy word of saying we're going to go spy on um, <laughs> uh, to Disneyland and to Six Flags um, Magic Mountain. 
And so we would go to Disneyland. Wow, was it tough times uh, for Universal back then if you're spying on Six Flags? Come on. Huh, okay. Yes, yes. That's cool. Six Flags. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. Got, did you get to ride the rides then, or you just have to walk around? Oh, you, you, we rode a couple rides. That's you couldn't cool. ride every, you know, because it wasn't obviously a day at the park. Because you, would, you, would you come back to Universal, and then you would basically they would download you and say, okay, so tell us what it was. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you couldn't just sit there and go, well, let me tell you about Space <laughs> mountain <laughs> oh yeah and yes. then there was this other yeah. stuff too I well don't that know. was actually also well that was kind of the trick to it um as well as the majority of disney's merchandise store the stores are through the exits of the rides and so it was a great excuse to go well i had to ride the haunted mansion in order to get to the haunted mansion store <laughs> hold on a second you produced a theatrical released movie i did I did. So when we moved back to Georgia, I um, I was uh, worked for a TV station, yeah. uh, Channel Fifty Seven. Did that for for a while, and during that time, I met this woman who had written this book that I just thought was really fascinating. It was based on a true story on her on um, her son, and I thought, hey, this could I could see this as as a feature. And so then, with talking with her, and one day she said, well, why don't you make it the feature? I was like. Okay, sure, I'll do it. It was uh, called Stand Your Ground. It was in theaters very briefly, but uh, long enough to be able to say that it was a theatrical release. Yeah. How was that experience, producing a movie? To be honest, it was a very bittersweet experience. Because first off, to go from acting to producing, producers are the unsung heroes, Mm -hmm. you know. And if anything goes wrong, it's your fault. (laughs) And if anything goes right, it's they oh, get yeah. the credit, you don't. Background guy number four. <laughs> yes. Um, Would get the credit before you. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly, exactly. Um, my favorite part of the job was actually, I, I hated, uh, first off, I hated raising money. That was the worst part. Oh, yeah. But my favorite part was, you know, obviously giving people their jobs. And and I really, being someone struggling as an actor, I really was, you know, looking at, trying to give people their breaks, you know, not just actors, but also, you know, wardrobe and everybody else. Uh, and so that was a, a really great experience, but there's just so many cogs in the machine. Eventually the project on a good side blew up bigger than what I was going to do. You know, I, I was oh, wow. going to make a small little independent thing or whatever. And um, so this studio came on board, Triple Horse Studios. We got them on board. And so they were able to really do a lot of stuff that, you know, made the movie something that I couldn't add. Um, but once they were on board, I eventually was like, all right, I got the baby started. You know, you be the closer. And I kind of walked away and I didn't see the project again till it was in theaters. Wow. Stand your ground. <laughs> yep. You've also wrote and sold a screenplay? Where can <laughs> I, we, where, 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 what's that one? Uh, yes, yes, uh, I did. So same kind of situation was I met this guy who um, had a very fascinating story. And he had a book as well. Both Sides of the Fence was, the, I think, the name of the book. And he was basically this biker guy who became saved and then was hired to be uh, an informant for the FBI. And so I wrote a screenplay for it and spent 
several months for doing it. And um, I want to say it was a firm film. Sony Pictures, basically, bought it. So that was really kind of cool. Very exciting. And then it just disappeared <laughs> they didn't do anything with it no they don't and uh well i don't know there was there was would you a have been paid of, more if they had no because part of the reason it got stuck in production was they they wanted to make it a, a big budget film but everything is name power you know and so they wanted so they attached another writer to it and he started writing um, but he didn't change that much to it. And then apparently it got stuck in production over who has the rights to it, who did wrote the most, this writer, me, or the guy who wrote the book. And so now me and the other guy who wrote the book, we're just like, hey, just make the movie. You know, this is a great story to be told. And there was this big kind of up in arms argument over, you know, who gets the credit. And, uh, and so never saw the light of day. Now studios do that all the time. Studios, you know, will buy, I mean, there's thousands of scripts, hundreds of thousands of scripts that are bought that never see the light of day for, it's amazing. I mean, how much money Hollywood has to waste. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Now, one of your hobbies, I guess, is well, watching movies. I do kind of, I, I also teach, I'm an adjunct professor at Toccoa Falls, um, teaching a uh, film, but I teach a film production to be specific. So from birth to finish. So how do you start the film? You know, how do you get that idea and then turn, put that in the paper, the production side of it, the filming and completing of it. And so I think because of that, I end up loving, you know, I have a love of movies and, and I think there's a, with film, my take is actually with entertainment, film, television, whatever it may be, there's this conundrum of chicken versus the egg on does art imitate life or does life imitate art? There's so much stuff that everybody watches. And then you go, all right, is this influencing us or not? You know, the Marvel movies is a great example of that, that superhero movies have become really big because they're the epitome of, I think, escapism, especially Mm -hmm. Marvel movies, because they take place in the real world. Right. But they just happen to have these superheroes. And so we have this, ooh, I want to be like that kind of deal. You either want to be the superhero or you wish you'd be rescued like that. And so you have all these people that come to watch these movies. And I think at its core, that's why they're so big. I mean, even if you're not into comic book movies, people seen at least one Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. But then I said, I could take the same coin and flip it and go, okay, how has that movie, how has Endgame that everybody saw, has it affected us in any way? Has it? I think so. Absolutely. I think so. The bulk of Endgame is about despair. You're trying to, you know, here's a group of people who failed at what they were doing and trying to literally turn back time <laughs> to right. do something. And I think that theme gravitated to a lot of people. But I also think there's a lot of people who realize, hey, time travel is not real. <laughs> I can't fix what went wrong. And they get stuck in the despair. Hmm. And so I, you know, it's, I think there are a lot of people who subconsciously that movie affected them. There's this guy who had this wonderful theory that the Oscar winner each year predicts what the world is going to be like. That again goes with this idea of do we, you know, 
what came first, the chicken or the egg? Are we influencing art or is art influencing us? And he had this ongoing theory of if you look at the Oscar winners of every year, that that kind of predicted, if you look at the theme of each movie, that that following year kind of copies that theme. And you have where you look at a lot of these. And I think the great one, first off, last year's Oscar winner was called Parasite. <laughs> so that right away yeah. should say should that. Should have been a, a clue. Yes. But then on top of it, the theme of that movie is class warfare. Hmm. And. Ta-da. Exactly. Here we are. Yes. So growing up, you were into comic books. Yes, I was. I mean, you were a huge Superman fan. I just (laughs) remember that, right? And Batman and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. How have the movies translated? Are you a big fan of the movies, or are you disappointed in in how these have been created? That's very interesting, uh, um, because... For the comic book geeks out there, I was a big DC fan, yeah. as you said, you know, Superman and Batman and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I don't feel like those movies have translated very I well. I can't stand them. And, but yet the Marvel on the I flip side, right. great movies. Marvel kind of, for the most part, kept control over their films, over their licensed characters, with the exception of in the beginning. You know, you had, so Marvel started fighting financially a long a, a while back, and they had sold the rights to a lot of their characters. Mm-hmm. And so Fox Studios was doing Spider-Man and Fantastic Four, and those just didn't do good. And now this uh, other, the DC comic characters, Batman, Superman, all that, were kind of doing the same thing. Warner Brothers bought DC, but they kind of bought them reluctantly. You know, they bought them on the side that DC went and said, hey, we're struggling. Will you please buy us? And they said, "Okay, sure. Mm -hmm. So you had people who weren't necessarily fans of the comic books making these movies. So when Marvel came along with Iron Man, um, that was Marvel, you know, writing it. Marvel was doing it. And so they were holding on to their properties, which is why, you know, they kind of did much better job. Right. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, but I also find it ironic with a uh, DC that DC is a very, all their films are very dark and broody mm-hmm. and realistic, but you're, you have characters named the penguin and, <laughs> and Gotham city is like, Aquaman. It, yeah, it's not supposed to be dark and broody, you know? Uh, it is, Hmm. A little bit, I suppose, I think supposed to be colorful, at least. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, the last book you read was by Dr. <laughs> James Dobson. The well, now, granted, this was a, right, right, a right, long right, time right. ago. Play along. <laughs> the last book you read when you replied to this email a century ago was The Strong-Willed Child by mm. Dr. James Dobson. Yes. Which of your children were you reading that for, or was it multiples? <laughs> Now, they're going to hear this. They are. At they some are. point in their life. Um, so you can lie here or you can just say, ah, it's research purposes for a friend. So whatever you want to do yeah, here. So I had a friend whose middle child was. How close was this friend? <laughs> oh, really, really close. close? Yeah, yeah. We were really close. We were so, really close. So your name's Ricky and this friend's name is Roderick. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's just say that okay. is Roderick and his middle child um adrenaline we'll call her we'll call her that uh <laughs> interesting name yeah no you know what's really great with uh, what, what's fun with kids is that 
they are all so different right that it amazes me i remember with my nephews and niece when i was growing up is that it amazed me that you can have three kids who were all born to the same parents who are all in the same environment Mm -hmm. that nothing is different other than the order they're all drastically different from one another Uh, absolutely um and and yes i had so my first one uh, olivia it was her punishment growing up, oh, of course, still growing up. She's only 12. Uh, but when she was little. I or mean, 11. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's something. I can't remember. <laughs> you just give her a look, and that was punishment enough for her. Huh. You know, you would, and she would just. Oh, that was mean, Ricky. I didn't you care know? for that look. I, I remember the first time I bopped Adeline, my middle child, I, I bopped her on the hand, you know, to don't touch that kind of thing. And she seriously gave me this look of like, is that it? <laughs> oh, it's on. Yes, and it has been that way ever since. <laughs> so. well, did the book help? It's been it's been a while. Your friend, has, your friend, yes, did it help yes. your friend? It, it did. Did your it friend did. report back? It, yes, and he said that it it did help a little bit. Right. You know that it, it did definitely <laughs> give guidelines on how to do. You know, you definitely was sure. not. You know, as, okay. as all parents are. You know, there is no overnight success. You know, you have. You try one tactic and you're like, oh man, this is awesome. And then the next day you do the same tactic and you did not get the same result. Right. Do, <laughs> do yourself a favor. Make sure that uh, her name is Adrenaline. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay, we'll just make sure her. she doesn't hear this podcast until <laughs> she's 18 or else she's going to know she's winning currently. Hey, more with Rick is going to come up here in just a moment. First, I want to talk to you about pain. It's no fun whatsoever. And the older you get, the more often you feel it. I feel it. And I found a solution. Dr. Monroe's pain cream. It helped me with some serious skin issues on my leg. Uh, When I was recovering from hip surgery, my skin was so sensitive. After that surgery, I could not touch it. Clothing could not touch it. I was in agony. And that's not even talking about the, 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 the actual recovery from the surgery. This was a completely separate issue. And it was really complicating things. I tried Dr. Monroe's cream. And oh my gosh. I reached out to them and I said, hey, um, you guys want to sponsor? I would love to talk about your product and rave about it on my podcast. That is how the relationship started, by me being a customer first. I'm telling you, the products over there can help you as well. But maybe you want to give them a try, a risk-free try. That's totally understandable. How about 1995 to try Dr. Monroe's pain cream? If it doesn't work for you the way it did for me, send it back. You're going to get your money back, okay? They like to tell us the story about Nancy, who uh, had pain in her ankle from titanium screws. It made her miserable. She tried Dr. Monroe's pain cream, though, and immediately felt relief. You can get the same feeling that Nancy and I have been through, getting that pain out of your life. Give CBD a try. There's zero THC, so you're not going to get high. You're going to get relief. If you still aren't sure that CBD is for you, you can try it risk-free. Visit DrMonroe'sCBD.com today. If you aren't able to write it down, the address is in the description of this podcast. Get the pain out of your life. That's DrMonroe'sCBD.com. You got your phone there. Yes. Open it up. Uh, go to your Amazon app. Okay. And uh, why don't you share with the class what's in your <laughs> cart right now? Just out of curiosity. 
All right. So in my cart, uh, or I should say my list, because my cart stays empty because I usually do buy them pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, know. I know that feeling. Oh, man. I tell you what. I wish. I I'd... tell you, the Amazon bill comes, and you're like, how did uh, this happen? Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, man. All right. So we, <laughs> I've got an array of stuff here. Okay. Um, it is a family-friendly show. It's Yeah. Uh, lawnmower deck belt. Lawnmower blades. Are you having problems with lawnmowers too? Uh, Seriously, I tried yeah. to start mine when the season started, and the tire was flat. The tire that I'd gotten fixed specifically before the winter yes. set in, so that I wouldn't have this issue. But it had gone flat again. So fix the tire. Then it wouldn't crank. The battery <laughs> that was less than a year old yeah. needed to be replaced. So it I sounds like you're I, having some issues. I think I replaced my John Deere battery annually. Um, you got to take yeah. that in, man. What's going on with my mower? I, I love my, let me do a plug. I love my John Deere. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> but I bought the, the, uh, the shoot for it, yeah, you know, no. and it worked the one, the first season I bought it, it worked. And I was like, this is awesome. It's never worked since. Wait a minute, the shoot, so like the grass clippings would go into the basket Yeah, thing? yeah. Th- so it goes into oh, the grass bags. Okay. Worked once. It's never worked since. And so I've always been like, is it my blades? Is it the belt? Is it this? Maybe I mean, you put it on wrong. Um, Do you take it off to empty it? Well, you don't take the chute off. You take the bags out, but oh. the chute still stays installed on it. That's and, weird. And it is it's yeah, I have, very bizarre. Right. So I have a, a riding mower that's got all the issues and a push mower, which, by the way, when you're recovering from hip surgery and the only lawnmower that you have is a push mower, oh, life is awesome. So um, <laughs> I, had, I had the bag too, right? Uh-huh. And I filled it up like the the first time I was mowing, and I emptied it out, and then I couldn't put it back on, and that was nine years ago, and so <laughs> it's still somewhere in the garage, and now I just like ah, eh, just mulch the yard. It works out. I did one time. I was getting so frustrated with it, and finally I did yeah, take it off and uh, throw it down, and that was when it decided to start working, and. <laughs> And so I have grass not shooting out to the side like normal lawnmowers. It's shooting up you know, three feet in the air. And I'm going, this I'm like, literally, it sounds like. And then as soon as I put the bag on, nah, doesn't want to work. <laughs> Seriously, your yard work experience sounds identical to mine. You haven't tried to chop your fingers off with a hedge trimmer, have you? Uh, no, but okay. I have. Um, I will admit that I did one day, you know, chop off the um, extension cord to the hedge clippers. So, <laughs> okay, so no, no, it's funny you mentioned that. I did that. Okay. Uh-huh. Boy, I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So I did that. I, I cut the electrical cord mm-hmm. and I... I went and I got another one. And <laughs> that's funny. Because I remember taking a picture of the electrical cord on the driveway uh-huh. severed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, when I'm done in the yard, I'm going to tweet this out. And I'm going to be like, I'm going to say something sarcastic about at least it wasn't my fingers or something yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the backstory I don't think anyone's ever heard. <laughs> so I plug in the new cord and it starts to drift a little too close to the blades. And so without thinking, I'm reaching for oh, this extension cord because I'm like, this ain't happening again. These things ain't cheap. Yeah. And I'm not even paying attention to these metal jaws of death. <laughs> I just don't want the cord to get there. And I'm just reaching for the cord and completely oblivious to the other important element of this. <laughs> Probably a little bit more important element. And the doctor uh. said, I've never seen... 
were still on. So, but they did a great job. I mean, you can barely uh, tell today, right? Yeah. I now that you say it, I yeah. can see the scars. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but I mean, the feeling is the issue. Yeah. I, I've, I've. The, the, can I don't you have, feel it? Can, can you do somewhat, that? You? Do you have somewhat. like the, the the dark man issue? You know? No, no, no. It's okay. almost. Uh, okay. and for a while, I did. Uh-huh. It's come back to a large degree. Okay. I'll say that, okay. but I can still just always feel it, yeah. even when I'm not holding something. Yeah, it's yeah. just gross. Yeah. I'm a, uh, I'm stupid. <laughs> That's what you need to know. And so your mom was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm the responsible one. No, I'm the dumb one. Yeah. It's just it's an act, Mrs. Goins. So I asked the question, five possessions, what would they be? You say you're a minimalist, which I sincerely admire because I don't know if I did I live in the Great Depression in a previous life and just not know it and I'm saving everything. I, I wouldn't say I'm a hoarder, but I That's definitely because here's my issue. This is why I'm not a hoarder, okay? okay? Because I will save stuff that I do end up needing later. Ta-da, okay, I was yeah, right. Yeah. Look at yes. me. I'm so glad I kept this spark plug <laughs> yeah. for this lawnmower. The problem yeah. is I don't know where I left it. I know it's out here somewhere. So anyhow, I've done that so many right? times. And then yeah, you end up going to the store. I go to the store and then the next it. day, yep. you find the spark plug when you're not even looking for it. And you're like, I swear, I cannot win at this game called And Life. of course you go, now I put it someplace that I knew I would remember. Thank you. Thank you. And then you're, you, do you find yourself standing in the garage and just doing a 360 degree turn very slowly? Maybe oh, yeah. it's over on this shelf. Maybe it's over here with this stuff. Yeah. Maybe I left it with the tool. Maybe it's, oh my gosh. Here's something I do really weird, and I think I do it because um, I watch too much CSI, <laughs> is that I will actually search for stuff with a flashlight. Like, not, I mean, it, the lights can be on. It's not dark. Huh. But I'm like using the spot of the flashlight as like a focal point. And I'll just like, oh, okay. Do you think it's it? like a police helicopter? Like it's going to all of a sudden, whatever you're looking for, a tool's going to run out from the shelf. Oh, crap. They found me. Well, I did at Amazon. I did buy a flashlight that also turns into a black light. A UV light. Oh, nice. And so so that actually works great if you got something that's a little neon colored, if you lose, because then it you know, jumps okay. out at you. I just don't know that um. I want a black light in my garage. <laughs> can't imagine what kind of issues. Yeah, I, I try to remember that, uh, you know, there were people who lived here before me. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> Okay, but, no, but if you're a minimalist and your wife is the exact opposite, mm. <laughs> now that yes, you're here in the a- office laying on the couch... Would you like to talk about that clash point that you two share? Oh, man. Mm. Yes. Uh, Remember, um, just as I mentioned earlier, the father of adrenaline will listen to this podcast. She won't. Yeah. She's not going to. No, she won't. Michelle's not going to listen to this? No, she might. Yeah. Yeah, of course she won't. She won't tell Uh, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then then she'll start. Then she'll start. (laughs) Start very passively, aggressively saying, well, I'd really like to say, like, like you you might say, honey, what do you want me to do with this newspaper? Are you done reading it? Well, yeah, you could take it out, but I might need it. Does that bother you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, now, now she will make the same claim that you do that she is not, you know, she is not a hoarder, mm-hmm. but she does have textbooks from school that she is not ever going to refer to. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but see, like I don't know if this is in your case. But we've made so many moves. Like I just went through with with Gert. You know, we went. Mm-hmm. You know, one, two. I mean, I don't even know eight, nine. I, I have no idea. I'm not going to waste time counting, probably because I can't count that yeah. high. But the point is, at some point, you get to one of those moves, and you're like, nope, 
I haven't opened this textbook from Broadcasting 101 yeah. in 10 years out of college now. Uh, it's not making the next move. Yeah, yeah. So she hasn't gotten um, to that point it, yet? This kind of dawned on me, too. That's why I don't have my Disney VHS anymore, either. I totally remember why. Because I took them with me to New York, and then when I was moving from New York, I was like, it's going to cost me how much to ship these VHSs? Forget it. You know, and they're, yeah, they're probably in the storage room of uh, that apartment building now. Because uh, I totally left them behind. Uh, yes. I, to- I wish I you had told it. me. I would have gone in like, <laughs> oh, wait, I'm a hoarder. Yeah. I would have shown up there. Yeah. I would have I would have been on the bus back to New Jersey <laughs> and showed up at our house and Carrie would be like, what's that? Ah, it was Ricky's uh, VHS collection. <laughs> we don't have room for that. But oh yeah, my wife has bought VHSs from Goodwill before, and I'm like, honey, we don't even have a VCR. Why did you buy these? Okay, well, I would like to remind everyone, I'm not a hoarder, but I may or may not have a VCR or two in the closet. Okay, so here's how our marriage works with the hoarder versus minimalist yeah. thing. Does, well, does your wife punch you the way she mine not, punches me? Yes, she okay. is not a hoarder. I, I will. I will say that she's not a hoarder. Look at the air quotes. Uh, (laughs) This is a podcast. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. But Michelle's not listening. Remember? So it doesn't matter. So legit true story. I took a bunch of stuff to Goodwill, took a uh, books and some CDs and bunch of stuff. I I said, I I do that. Well, you know, yeah, I'm, said I'm a minimalist. If I haven't listened to it for a long time. Okay. It's going. And these were things that you brought into the marriage. Uh, yes, yeah, okay. not just broad, th- but stuff I had since high school. Okay, specifically, but- I remember a couple of DC Talk uh, CDs and oh. a Stephen Curtis Chapman CD, and that's important to do the story because three days later, oh no, my wife comes home from Goodwill and she said, "Hey, I bought a whole bunch of stuff, and I, I got these CDs that I think you would love." And I look, and it's DC Talk, it's Stephen Curtis Chapman. I'm like, honey. You just bought back my stuff. That is hilarious and sad at the same time. Yes. So. Oh, no. No. Did you take him back? Uh, what no. did you think about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Keith. I want to be the guy who rolls up to Goodwill and says, I demand my money back. Yeah, Have you already yeah. spent that money on charity? Oh, no. That's yeah. funny. Yes. That's good stuff. Yeah. You're a big fan of barbecue. Don't forget to get to Texas. You may or may not know oh, somebody man. who lives there. I yes. I've got I, just the place. Yeah. I know where I'm taking you. Okay. But, All right. So, so I, yes, I love I love barbecue. When you get to Dallas, mm-hmm. just say, "Hey, take me to that barbecue place that you love so much, and I'll take you there." Because I, I won't I won't hesitate. I'll be like, "Oh yes, that's where we're going." Okay. Now you know when I when I get to Dallas though, and this even happened last year when I did go. There is one place that I have to go. You notice how he slipped that in there? Yeah, I went to Dallas. I didn't tell you. <laughs> I told you earlier, and I told you it was such a quick trip yeah. that I didn't bother telling anybody I was going. I'm guilty, too. Yeah, I hear you tell your boss, hey, I went to went to Atlanta this weekend and saw a game and didn't he's, tell he, anybody. He's not bitter. <laughs> no, I'm he's not He's just saying. No. No, there is a certain popular burger joint from the West Coast that Dallas has that I am addicted to, and so... Okay, what is it? In and out. In and out? Yeah. In and out's great. Yeah. If you yeah. had said Whataburger, I would have slapped your face. No, Ugh. no, In and Out. There what's really funny is I've discovered In and Out that there is a legit like following of that restaurant. So much so that there's one in California that is open twenty four hours wow. and strategically it's the one right next to the airport. Perfect. You know, <laughs> so, perfect. Yes. It, no, In and Out is not only delicious but cheap. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. affordable. Yeah. Whataburger is the most overrated. I, I can't take it when people say, I got to get to Texas to ha- try a Whataburger. <laughs> well, that's dumb. Yeah. Uh, why don't you just go to McDonald's? It's better. Yeah. There's one in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was like, ooh, they have a Whataburger. I got to try it out. And yeah, I was not that impressed. I'll be honest. I don't know if it was Whataburger or Jacksonville, but either way, mm. it was not impressed. If you could go back in time, you would like to either meet Charlie Chaplin or <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. Did Charlie Chaplin Ooh, yeah. ever actually speak? Is that a thing? <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, what would he you did. talk about? Oh, okay. He did. No, he did. In in fact, yeah, his later movies. In fact, um, where he does talk, the mm. the the dictator, which was a oh, yeah. spoof off of Hitler. Hitler. Yeah. He was playing Hitler, and he he spoke in that. Okay. Um. So yeah, and I but I do find him both of them. I, I think are well, Alfred really Hitchcock. Cool. Uh, how was he in real life? I just know him from the end of movies, beginning of movies, stuff like that. You know? <laughs> I have heard that um, he was he was a jerk. Yeah. So. Uh, was he a freak? <laughs> no, too? no, no. I mean, some of the stuff. Not so, he... and I say that uh, coyly. No, I think, and, and this is my uh, <laughs> probably not compared to today's insanities. Yes, yes, yeah. You know, exactly. maybe back then he was. He would. A lot of people in Hollywood are introverts. Yeah. And so you you wouldn't think that, and but uh, I've. I would, out of the stuff that I've read about him and the things I've seen of, of him, I would actually put him under that category, that he was a, a thinker, uh, but he was an introvert. And I think that came across kind of, um, you know, jerkish to other people. But I, see. I don't think he was on purpose. Um, he just had a lot going on in his head. Right, yeah. right. Well, speaking of a lot going on in his head, um, you've battled depression. Ooh, that was a great segue. Well, thank you. You are a professional. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I have too. Doesn't it suck? Yeah. How do you overcome it? Um, I actually like to think of it as I haven't overcome it per se in that sense of it's a daily, it's a daily thing for me. Yeah. And I'm, so, I'm yeah, so I don't, I don't haven't overcome it i'm just aware of not just i don't want to even say triggers because you can just wake waking up can be a trigger <laughs> you yeah know? you know what here because I, I want you to tell us about your experience to the degree you want to but i can go first if you'd like sure i'm the same way you never know what's going to trigger it mm-hmm. it could just be waking up you just be like i don't want to go to work today it could be uh, a song you hear mm-hmm. it could be something someone says that has nothing to do with anything that would be even remotely depressing, but it reminds you of something that really just sends you down a spiral. And I will say that one of the things that I try not to do when, when I get depressed is that's when I just, I, I no social media for me. I don't want to read it. I don't want to participate in it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tweet anything. I don't want to like anything. I don't want to see anything right now. And, and then you just kind of go into your own shell yeah. for however long you need to. Yeah. Um, I guess the danger would probably come if you start having consecutive days like that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, everyone's going to have a bad day. Everyone's going to be overwhelmed. Everyone's going to have to retreat at some point in some way, their own way. But thankfully, for the most part, I've never gotten in that. It doesn't help that I listen to very depressing music. <laughs> I drink too much. I injure myself regularly. 
But I think it really becomes an issue when it becomes like a, a daily routine. That depression is just a part yeah. of your existence. Yeah. How about you? How do you manage it in your world? No, I, I totally uh, fully agree with you. My wonderful wife, she is actually a counselor. That is what her um, degree is in. And um, and one thing that she has kind of said with me that I, I uh, that you're kind of going on is it's okay to take a day. Just don't let it go beyond that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's where I said, I don't think I've, I'm healed from depression. I don't think I, you know, I'm, you know, delivered from it. For me, it is, yeah, you take in those moments of, I use it as sort of a decompression moment mm-hmm. of going, okay, what can I fix that I'm, that might be triggered by it? And if I can't fix it, how can I embrace it? How can I, you know, and this is not the end. This is just the next step. And in some ways, it, it, it's storytelling uh, on that sense, too, is that every great story has its has its ups and downs. Any story where it's all up would actually be a really boring story. <laughs> but the flip side is also true. Any story that is all down is going to be a boring story as well. And so you realize that life is hills and valleys. And all right, I'm in a valley. Just you know, recognize that's what it is, that you are in a temporary valley. Um, and, you know, my um, one of my uh, favorite kind of sayings or uh, I heard a long time ago of, you know, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And that's the big thing that you always have to remind yourself that as long as you have breath, everything is temporary. And so... Take hold of that, that this is not the end. Going back to art in general, some of the best artwork has come from the hardest of times. Some of the best artists have been people who struggled mentally, you know, and if they didn't, they wouldn't, (laughs) they wouldn't have good art. I embrace things by looking at it and going, what do I have? And recognizing that everything is temporary. I'm very blessed with a wonderful marriage and I'm very blessed with three kids that I absolutely love. But one thing that I recognize when I start to get down or you get uh, stuck in a rut is I'm not going to have those kids forever. They're going to grow up. They're going to leave. Do I want to really spend my time, my limited time I have with them being down let me embrace what is going on right now because the world moves pretty fast and uh, one day you're going to look around and you're going to miss it. And if you don't stop to smell the flowers, what is... I'm, I, I'm trying to quote about Ferris roses. Bueller. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Uh, you say roses. I'm trying to quote Ferris Bueller. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. So you mentioned suicide in there. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to put it. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yeah. I have a personal experience with that in in multiple degrees that I don't have a problem talking about it Mm because this is another thing on how to deal with depression is I think the best way to deal with depression is to talk to people. Mm -hmm. And when you, you start to recognize I'm not the only one. When we have those down days, 
we usually get stuck in that day becomes a week and that week becomes a month when we start thinking that we're the only one in the boat. And so the more we talk about it, we start recognizing, oh, there's other people. So I don't have a problem talking about my experience in life. And first off, right from a young age, no, I had suicidal thoughts all the time growing up. I was a fat kid who got picked on all the time. I was a white kid in a predominant black neighborhood. <laughs> um, I got picked on a lot mm-hmm. and hated it. And so I had suicidal thoughts, uh, you know, a lot growing up. I, I actually did even attempt a few times. Oh. Um, but then, yeah, the life changing moment of my life, I was what? junior in high school i just turned 16 yeah and i kind of i i didn't get into this earlier but i know for a fact that when i was in nebraska Mm -hmm. that's when the story you're going to possibly tell us here happened Mm -hmm. and i just felt terrible that i was you know across the country and wasn't there yeah so my um yeah my dad uh committed suicide and one of the hardest parts i think in that moment, and even still a little bit, you know, later is you didn't, he didn't visibly look like someone who is depressed. Mm -hmm. You know, we, it was, it was a genuine shock. Um, and, um, and I, yeah, I was the one who, you know, found him, came home from work and, you know, there was note on the door that said, Ricky, you know, call 911 and don't go down in the basement. And, one thing that was hard in that moment was I had to grow up real quick because my mom was really dependent on my dad. You know, that was, there was a strong relationship that the two of them had. And that moment of, for her to be abandoned, you, since then, I would say that I have struggled with having suicidal thoughts, but I've never, ever thought of attempting it never because now i also saw the other side going back to that's that what phrase, i ask you yeah does it does you having gone through that motivate you to not pursue it in a real tangible sense because yes. of your own children yeah and absolutely. knowing what what you went through yeah yeah and and, not, and even prior to kids but especially now with kids it's like you know um just recognizing whatever he was going through, it was nothing that couldn't have been solved. As I said, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And having kids and looking at it and going, yeah, I don't want to put them through the same pain that I went through. (laughs) The one thing I do love about social media, (laughs) about uh, Facebook was, is actually the birthday greetings. Because you don't recognize how many people you truly touch, how many mm. people do know you and do care about you. And it, and I've got people who, man, I care about them. And if they died, it'd break my heart. But I've only met them, you know, once or twice. Right. And so in those moments of when you're low, you don't think that anybody cares about you. Even if you're, let's say you're single and not married, you don't realize how many people out there that, do really care about you. I think, you know, as terrible as the world may be, <laughs> there is still humanity still is still there. <laughs> you know, there is positivity. To I'm glad humanity. you think so. Good to hear. <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> Well, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. there there's good in 
<laughs> now, most people. No, I'm not sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't go there with you, Anne Frank. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let me uh, ask you about um, your most embarrassing moment. I- I'm supposed to ask you uh, about temping at a luggage company while you oh. lived in Manhattan. <laughs> I mean, did you have more you wanted to say? I was just trying to liven it up a little no. bit. You know, yeah. No, 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 no. Okay. Yes, yes. Anytime you can uh, get away from death is actually right, good. Right, right. And then, uh, of course, of course, it, yes. in order to accomplish that, uh-huh. we take our story to New York City. <laughs> yes. so, well, I want to hear Mr. Professional. I want to hear you segue to this. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. I, you didn't do so good I on that one. didn't do so good. Uh, no, so I need to work on that segue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, so tell me about the working for a uh, temp agency. Yes, a yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I said, with uh, actors, you know, most of the time <laughs> you are doing something other than acting. Right. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I was uh, temping. I gotten really good at it. I had a nice personality people liked me so plenty of times the temp agency would just call and say hey got this you know place they are interested in and you want to go on in i'd say yes and got to a bad habit of i didn't even bother like they just give me the address and tell me who my contact is i wouldn't even know what i'm going there to do oh. i wouldn't even know what the company was oh my. for instance Uh-oh. i go to this company um and they said they are moving they're moving from one office to another And so they just want, and this was really funny on New York having money to blow. Um, They just want a body at the desk while they're moving stuff so that exec, you know, anybody who may come through the office, they don't see an empty desk. Right. You know, they're they're like um, that interval between places. Yeah. And so, and they said, and if the phone rings, um, all you have to do is just transfer it to the, you know, to this number and we'll you know, take care of it. Pretty simple. Yes. Yeah. Very money. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So I sit there and it's great. And then the phone rings and I realize I don't even know where I'm at. (laughs) I don't even know where, how do I answer the phone? Well, okay. Normally uh, I'm a professional. Normally you answer, hello, name a company. This is so-and-so or how can I help you? It's because I was like, I'm attempt. So I'm just going to skip that. I am so-and-so just, Name a company and how can I help you? Um, but I'm looking around going, what is the name of the company? Where am I? And I look up and I see the sign, you know, on the hallway right there. Safe to assume this is the company I'm working for. Hello, this is Lewis Futon. How can I help you? And they said, yes, I'd like to, you know, uh, there would be a pause. But then they say, can you uh, transfer me to so-and-so? And I said, yeah, no problem. So I do that. So did that for a week. Hello, thank you for calling Lewis Futon. How can I help you? I need to talk to so-and-so, transfer them for a week. I'm talking to my mom on the phone that Friday. And she said, how'd your week uh, go in New York? Because we talked regularly uh, every Friday. And I said, it was great. I was working at some luggage company Um, because I saw the, you know, the suitcases and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was working at this luggage company and they're moving. They're like, what's the name of the company? And I said, "Uh, Louis Vuitton. And she said, excuse me? I said, Louis Vuitton. She said, no. You mean Louis Vuitton? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's it. And she said, the best part about that story, though, is that I was there for a week. So there were people calling and going, I think I've been pronouncing it wrong because the headquarters oh, wow. says Louis Vuitton. <laughs> okay, so if someone, if you're listening right now and someone in your life refers to Louis Vuitton as... 
Louis Futon, you'll know that they called <laughs> Ricky Goins during that week back in. Uh, yes, yes. Oh yeah, my! Yeah, if you that's called, awesome. If you called the luggage co- yeah. If you called a certain luggage company uh, in the late nineties, <laughs> <laughs> tell us about an embarrassing moment for Michelle when she accidentally threw you a 29th birthday party. <laughs> no, no, she did not throw me a 29th birthday party. Right. That was the problem. Right. Yeah, we were um, we were dating. You know, she's big into surprises, and so she wanted to throw me a surprise birthday party. And to her credit, she went all out. She rented a kind of room at the restaurant and had all my friends come. Um, well, and thanks for the phone call, Michelle. Yeah, <laughs> all my LA friends, because that's all she knew. Oh, okay. She uh, put banners up and everything, but it was all happy thirtieth, you know, thirtieth birthday. And I think she <laughs> even had a, you know, some over the hill stuff, and you know. But the big theme was thirty. I walk in and giant balloons <laughs> three zero on the table, and I'm like, thank you. I'm 29, <laughs> and of course, no one is going to believe it because they, every single one of them said the exact same thing. Right. Yeah, of course, that's what you uh-huh, say uh-huh. when you're turning 30. Ha ha ha! Yeah, you're 29. I'm like, no, I really am, and I even, I had, I even, out? not only that, I called my mom and was like, <laughs> "Mom, please tell everybody how old I am right now." <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, so. that is something else. <laughs> that's good stuff. Tell us the story of you <laughs> proposing. So one of our first dates, a very artsy thing to do, especially for actors in L.A., was there was a silent movie theater in L.A. It was actually one of the few standing. I don't think it was one of the early ones of L.A., but it was really cool. It was a silent movie theater. They still had, the, they obviously still had the same chairs because they were so uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but they had an organist who played along with the movie. And so, oh, it, was wow. a, so it was really, That's really cool. cool. And so I um, got the idea of like, hey, for to ask her to marry her is I've made a Chaplin movie, Chaplin-esque movie. I was dressed up as Chaplin and I proposed through the movie. And so I rented out the theater house um, and I filled it up with all my friends and family. You were somewhere and you know a long far away so i would have called you um oh, w- w- wait well, hold on first of all it's a very awesome idea how how cool is this uh this is really yeah and now now as i'm telling the story i'm stalling because i'm doing math in my head <laughs> did i live in the same town as ricky when this happened where were you guys at la we were in la yeah 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 you're yeah. lucky it was, it Continue. Was los angeles uh <laughs> um in fact uh, the theater i think if I'm correct, it was legit Los Angeles. It wasn't Sherman Oaks or Burbank right. or something like that. It was actually LA. And, um, and yeah. And so we, I filled up the theater with all of our, our friends and family. And then we got there quote unquote, you know, oops, we got there a little late for it. So when we got into the theater, there was already a movie showing and the lights were already down. So mm. she couldn't see nice. that everybody That's what was, I was wondering. Yeah, cool. family and friends. And so, and they showed a Buster Keaton movie and then they showed my movie. Um, and then, uh, uh, she was like, what's going on? She's like, um, she had said something. I remember doing the movie, like that doesn't look like a, uh, this was made in the 1930s. Oh, <laughs> come on. Just watch I think she said the like the, the, the wardrobe or something was off. Right. <laughs> and right. then is, and then she said, uh, when it went up that she saw, cause I go, you know, will you marry me or whatever? And it's my face. I'm looking right at the camera and she's like, Oh, someone's getting engaged. And I'm like, you don't even recognize that it's me. Wow. <laughs> 
And then the lights come up, oh. and then and then yeah, and we and then I bring Did her you have up to say, front. "Look, um, that's yes. me." Yeah, <laughs> I was proposing to you. When the lights came up, I pulled her, and she was oh. like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah." The, At least she didn't up. have to get you know go to the bathroom or go get some you know junior mint or something <laughs> in the middle of it because then she would have recognized everybody. She's like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." Yeah, and then yeah, she'd come yeah. back to the she'd oh. come back to the seat, and you will never yeah. believe. All these people I know are here. That well, that, that's actually what's funny. So I did have that's a friend risky, of mine. Uh, I risky. did have a friend of mine record it. And what's really funny is that when I'm down on my knee asking her, she's looking around the audience, and that's when she realizes that they're all people we know. Yeah, you know, because at awesome. first she was about she was embarrassed that I was bringing her up in front of a, a crowded theater, and, so, and then she's like. You know, it starts naming No pressure. Everybody. Andrew, that's what you're doing here. <laughs> no pressure, Michelle. Yeah. We're just all going to be scarred for life if yes. you say no. Wait a minute. How long was the movie before yours? Oh, it was just that. Uh, they were short. Okay, I was just making yeah. sure. Because yeah, 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 you're like, yeah, 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 and then we played this other movie, yeah. and then mine yeah, came so up. First, we watched Lord of the Rings, yeah. and, and she's <laughs> like, I gotta go. And you're like, no, no you stand you right here. Hold but it. I, but I ordered a large Coke. I can't hold it. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, have, have your thoughts changed on because i remember this email was sent out a, a decade ago <laughs> when was the last time oh, you yeah, tried changes, something new yeah. for the first time and you said you tried sushi uh just the week prior to this email being sent to you i did I, that must have been something i just said i don't know <laughs> okay good yeah i remember the first because actually the first time it must have been a fancy sushi maybe it, that was it okay um because the first time i tried sushi was actually I was taking Michelle out on a date and she's, she is totally California. I mean, you know, she was born and raised in California. <laughs> and so I thought it'd be fun to take her to, there was a, a sushi restaurant, at universal city walk that did the little boat thing, you know, the, so they yeah. put the sushi things on a, on a boat and go out. And so we did that and she loved it. She thought it was nice, but I hated it. Not, First off, I didn't think it was that good. But secondly, we walked out. We were going to go to the movies. And right as we walk up to the sushi and we're about to go to the movies, I said, hold on. Before I go to the movie theater, I got to go over here to Burger King and get me a hamburger because I'm starving. It's like, if I'm going to spend that much money on a, a food place, I want to be full when I walk out. Right. But yeah, I mean, I spent between so wait, the two of us, I spent the, like 60 bucks uh, there. The thought was to eat raw fish on a moving boat. Yes. <laughs> I'm never touching. And then, sushi. and then I'm still hungry afterwards. Yeah. Okay. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, I was going to ask you, man, I, I will, I will never try. I'm not even going to try sushi. Yeah. Now, now Gross. I'm, I'm the week I do what's called the California roll, which mm-hmm. I think is rice avocado and shrimp or, or crab mm. or something like that because i'm actually not a fish person yeah. i don't like fish and well, so, cook it yeah <laughs> what is the issue it's not that hard do we not have we, access yeah. to cooking yeah. instruments yeah. all right well anyhow, <laughs> ricky um i appreciate you making time today ricky goins or rick mm-hmm. or roderick i just i yeah. can't i don't know which one to do so you get all three yeah where can people find you on the social media um, I, uh, sure, you can find me at... Facebook.com yes, slash, oh, yeah. here we go, Roderick. Yeah, yeah. It's, R-O-D-R-I-C-K yeah, dot Goins, G-O-I-N-S. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, my Twitter, it's my Facebook. Kind of the same thing. Yeah, R-O-D-R-I-C-K, R-O-D-R-I-C-K underscore, or yeah. G, I can't, enough. Yeah, yeah. Now, my, my hand... Yeah, now my handle on Twitter has been, is this thing on? It's been that for several years, because I was really mad that no one 
replies to me or anything. So I'm Maybe like, you're being shadow banned. I, I think I, Somebody I might has be. It in for you. I, I think they do because, you know, me not, you know, I'm Louis such a controversial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm such a controversial person. Right. I, I waited. <laughs> right, right, right. All right, brother. Rick Goins, thanks so much for making time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks. It's, it's fun. Wait, there was a pause there. It was fun or it was, <laughs> it's, it was fun. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Pick what. <laughs> Can I just say selfishly, it was a blast catching up with Ricky. I'm so glad you were there uh, for the conversation as well. Such a great guy. Uh, that conversation and so many others are available when you go over to atthemikeshow.com and you sharing that site with your friends it would be so greatly appreciated. Uh, also appreciated is the fact that you're here listening and that you have supported this show through that GoFundMe link uh, that, that I tweeted out uh, weeks ago. Uh, you guys are so awesome. Thank you for helping, and thank you for continuing to support our sponsors continuously, uh, aprcoffee.com and drmonroescbd.com. Two places I really hope that you will, if nothing else, just go there and check out their stuff. That's all I'm asking. I love both of those companies. Hey, next week, just in time for Independence Day weekend, is a conversation with my friend Laura Black. It's a fun conversation with a freedom-loving American who has lived in a country that is much different than ours. That's for sure. She really appreciates America. She shares some of those experiences and lots of laughs. That's a week from now, right here on At The Mic. Until then, I hope life treats you right. I hope that your week ahead is great. So please now, go be free. And thank you for listening to At The Mic. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect. 